Come on, Baptism Sunday is next week. Who's excited? That was pretty lackluster. About a third of you are excited about what God is doing in our church with lives being made new. Uh, I'm excited to see what God's doing in our church. I'm excited to be able to celebrate with people who have made the decision to place their faith in Jesus and follow him and are now taking their next step to publicly declare that they are, yes, they are a follower of Jesus. And listen, if you're in this room, have you never taken that step for yourself? Would you remedy that? I don't care if you've been following Jesus for a day or 20 years. Scripture says that we are to repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And so that is everyone's next step after salvation. And so I would encourage you, if you are ready to take that step, to grab the yellow next steps card or open up the Life Church Buffalo app and register on the events portion of the app uh, to get registered for next week. One of our baptism team members will call you this week and kind of inform you of what you should expect for next week and get you all set up and ready to go. Uh, but I'm believing God for incredible things, and I'm excited uh, to be a part of what he's doing. For those of you that are new here today, my name is Pete. And I have the distinct honor and privilege of serving alongside my wife, Kelly, as co-lead pastor. And on behalf of our staff and our dream team, we just want to say how excited we are that you're here in the building as we kick off a brand new series, which was supposed to start last week. But, you know, winter in Buffalo and all and lake effect snow kind of puts a damper on some of our plans. And so uh, grateful to be back in God's house. I hate it when we have to cancel church on account of weather. But here we are. Also wanted to let you know that this Wednesday we are going to be wrapping up our 21 days of prayer and fasting with a night of worship. So I want to encourage everyone who is available this Wednesday at 7 o'clock to come on out. And let's blow the roof off this place. Let's invite the presence of God to fall and change us as we just commit our lives to him, to give this year to him, to have us be vessels where his anointing oil can flow in our lives. I'm excited for that. That's this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Uh, to start my message today, I want to ask a couple of questions, and I would love for all of you to participate if you wouldn't mind. How many of you, by a show of hands, believe in the power of prayer? Just about every single hand in this place, most of you believe in the power of prayer. Second question for you. How many of you, even though you believe in prayer, would say that you probably don't pray as often as you should or with as much faith and conviction as you should? Interesting. Almost as many hands go up for that second question. It's kind of funny to me. Why is it that we as followers of Jesus who know that we have access to run boldly into the throne room of grace whenever we want who know that God hears our prayers and that he is moved by our faith, and yet so often our prayer life is inconsistent at best, haphazard, and lacking any real faith and conviction. Why is that? I have a theory. I think it's that because for a lot of Christians, they maybe just feel like they don't know how to pray very well, especially when they compare themselves to other people who, when they listen to them pray, you're like, that's good. I can't pray like they, like they can. Like, have you ever been in a setting where it's like, they, they sound like a professional prayer? Where they're like quoting scripture in the prayer and they're loudly binding the devil. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And everyone listening to the prayer is saying, yes, amen, Lord, amen. And you're like, you're listening to that and you're like, I ain't praying after that person. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody, anybody ever been in that setting, like in a life group or somewhere, and you're like, I can't pray like that. 
Maybe, maybe you don't feel like you're as spiritual as other people, and so you don't know Scripture like they do, and so you can't quote it, and so you feel like, well, maybe I just don't know how to pray. And so you don't. You get intimidated and insecure. Or some of us, and I'll throw myself into this category, can get easily distracted or bored when we go to pray. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like when I go to have my quiet time sometimes, I could be like two or three minutes in, and the next thing I know, my mind is wandering off to like the million things I have to do today. And, oh, yeah, I wonder what Kelly's making for dinner tonight. And, oh, I'm really not looking forward to that hard conversation I have to have with somebody at work. And all of these things, a million different directions. And, and five minutes later, I'm like, wait a second. I'm supposed to be spending time with Jesus right now. And we get distracted. And some of us, honestly, we just get into a rut, when we do come into prayer time, it's like it's the same four or five things that we just kind of repeat over and over again every day or as often as we pray, and it's just kind of a little bit monotonous. If any of those describe you, then I want you to know you're not alone. Almost everyone has experienced this and has felt that before. I wonder if part of the problem is that maybe some of our prayers are just a little bit too safe too predictable, too mundane, kind of rote, safe. And what I mean by that is if your prayers are like, God, would you please bless this food to my body as you're about to eat a greasy pizza? Or God, would you please help me pass this test even though I didn't study at all for it? God, help me to have a good day today as if his job is to make you happy all the time. Or I love this one. God, be with me today, even though he has promised in his word that he would always be with you and never leave you and never forsake you. Or, God, bless me today, even though he has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing available in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How much more can he bless you than he already has? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray some of those prayers. God cares about everything that we have to say to him. He wants us to pray about the big things and the small things. But sometimes I wonder if the all-powerful God of the universe who created everything, the omnipotent one, the omniscient one, who leans in when we come into that place of prayer, and he's like, oh, they're about to talk to me. I wonder, it's been a while since I've heard from them. What are they going to say to me? And we come in with, God, be with me today. And I wonder if God's like, and, like, really, is that all you got for me? Like, don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I'm capable of doing? I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray those prayers. But all prayers move the heart of God. But I truly believe that some prayers move him more than others. He has called us to more than just half-hearted routines at the dinner table. He's called us to be courageous, not be comfortable. And so today we're kicking off a three-week series called Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous Prayers, which as I mentioned a couple weeks ago is based off of a book by the same title, uh, written by Pastor Craig Groeschel, the pastor of the largest church in America based out of Oklahoma. And uh, the subtitle of the book is Because Following Jesus Was Never Meant to Be Safe. And so if you'd like to pick up a copy of this book off of Amazon, it would be great supplemental reading that would provide you some different and more in-depth content than what we'll talk about through the three weeks of this series. But be warned, like if you are going to read the book, which I would encourage you to do, 
If you're somebody who is content to just play it safe and sit on the sidelines, then this book is not for you. This book will challenge you, it will test you, but it will also inspire you. It will inspire you to pray boldly, to pray powerfully, to pray with fire, to gain the courage to pray dangerous prayers. There's also, for those of you who are users of the Bible app, there's a seven-day reading plan or devotional plan that kind of follows along with the book. And so if you're somebody who likes to do reading plans on version or on the Bible app, I would encourage you to search for that. Um, be a great kind of kickstart to kind of supplement what we're going to be talking about in this series. But the first dangerous prayer that we're going to talk about today is this prayer. Make me bold. Make me bold. It's kind of extracted from a prayer that's recorded in the book of Acts chapter 4. And before we look at it, let me give you the context and set it up for you a little bit. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, on their way into the temple to pray, God uses them to heal a crippled man who has been unable to walk for over 40 years. An incredible miracle that many people witness, and all of the witnesses and residents of Jerusalem agree that God is doing something incredible, so they kind of come flocking to Peter and John to see what happened. Peter seizes the opportunity to tell everyone who's gathering around about who Jesus is, but the religious leaders, the same ones that had crucified Jesus just a couple months earlier, are not too pleased. They're ticked off, and so they arrest Peter and John, put him in jail overnight, and then put them on trial the very next day. And while they're on trial with crowds pressing in around this public trial setting, the high priest and the religious leaders asked Peter and John, in whose name and by what power have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says this in verse 10. Let me clearly state to all of you religious leaders and all of the people of Israel who are gathered around that this man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That's bold, y'all. Peter's like, you want to know how this man was healed? Let me tell you in as plain Greek as I possibly can. This man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, who happens to be the man that you murdered, but whom God raised from the dead. That's bold. That's like in your face. And in verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scripture. See, Peter had like quoted scripture and told them about their history and the prophets and, and who Jesus was. And they're like, wait, these men don't have the formal education that we do, and yet they know a lot about the scriptures. But I love this last line. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. One of my main goals in life is to be somebody that other people recognize as having been with Jesus. The religious leaders were blown away and amazed at these common, ordinary men who had nothing special about them, that they were so bold in their faith about this man named Jesus. So the religious leaders are kind of in a tough spot. They don't know what to do with these guys. They want to punish them, but they've got a man standing in their midst who couldn't walk for over 40 years, who is now walking, and everyone has seen it and is giving credit to God. So they're afraid that if they punish Peter and John, the people are going to riot. So they basically try to quietly send them away with a warning. They threaten them and they say, stop teaching in the name of Jesus or else. And the implication is like, or else we will do to you 
what we did to your master. So with the threat of bodily injury, possibly even death, these guys are released and they did what many of us would do had we been put in jail, had we been threatened. They went home and they prayed. But can I tell you what they didn't pray for? They didn't pray, oh God, would you please keep us safe and protect us from these big, bad, evil guys and let nothing bad happen to us? They didn't pray that. They didn't pray for a safe, comfortable existence with everything they ever wanted. No, with the threat of death, they prayed a very dangerous prayer. And I want to show that to you because I'm hoping that this will become our prayer as well. Verse 29, here's their prayer. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And here's the dangerous prayer. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. They didn't pray for safety. They didn't pray for protection. They said, God, make us bold. Give us the courage to obey you, even though at that personal cost, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's painful, God, make us bold. It says the religious leaders were amazed at their boldness. Question for you, honest question for you to consider. On a scale of one to 10, how amazed are people at your spiritual boldness? Think about that. How amazed are people at your boldness? Maybe you're somebody in here today who, you know, would try to be modest and, and say, you know, I'm probably like a six or a seven, but all of your friends would say, there's no way you're a six or seven. You're like an eight or a nine because everyone who knows you knows that everywhere you go, every chance you get, you are doing nothing but telling people about Jesus. Like you're always inviting people to church. You're telling them about Jesus and like you're an eight or a nine. But maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're somebody who would say like, you know, I'm a Christian, but I just don't like to really talk about it much. I don't want to push my faith on other people. And, you know, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to make people uncomfortable. And I don't, I don't like to draw attention to myself. So maybe you'd be like a two or a three. Maybe you're somebody who, like, after working with someone at the office for like four or five years, finally slips up or, you know, builds up the courage to say something about God or about church. And your coworker turns to you and says, hold on a sec. Like, are you a Christian? Do you go to church? Like, I had no idea. Why didn't you say something sooner? In other words, if we could kind of drill down into what they're saying is that they haven't seen any fruit or evidence that you're a follower of Jesus. Now, in a moment of transparency and vulnerability with my church family, if I were to rate myself on this scale, I'd probably rate myself about a five or a six. And maybe that's surprising to you. Because you come into here every Sunday and you hear me boldly proclaim the word of God. And I love preaching the word of God with boldness. But how many of you know it's really easy to be bold in church when you're surrounded by people, most of whom all believe what you believe? It's a completely different story when you walk out these doors and being bold for your faith in Jesus could result in you being mocked and ridiculed. It's a different story. When I was in high school, I'm ashamed to admit that I was ashamed of being a Christian. I was one of those kids that like lived dual lives. I was one kid in church at youth group and I was a completely different kid at school as I tried to fit in and tried to keep it a secret that I was a pastor's kid and went to church on Sundays. I didn't want people to think I was weird. As an adult, I've grown a little bit more bold in my faith, but I'm somebody because of my personality, I'm very conflict averse. 
I hate rocking the boat. I don't like making people uncomfortable. I really don't like making people upset with me because I'm a people pleaser. And so I find it hard. To, I know that the message of Jesus doesn't always land well with people. It often results in people getting upset. And so because I don't like upsetting people, I find it difficult to broach the topic and talk to people about my faith. How amazed are people at your faith? See, I've gotten bolder as I've gotten older and the longer I follow Jesus. But I want you to know that this is something that I want more of in my life. So I'm not a pastor up here preaching at you telling you, you guys need to pray to, for God to make you more bold. I'm praying this for myself. I'm praying, God, make me bold. Give me the courage to believe that, to love people enough to tell them about who you are and what you've done in my life. Make me bold. How amazed are people at your boldness? Do they say, undoubtedly, you are a bold follower of Jesus? Or do they say, you're a Christian? I had no idea. If you're someone like me who would say, well, I'm just not a very bold person by nature. That's not my personality. I want to look again at this prayer and show you what God did in response to it. Look again at verse 29 of Acts chapter 4. Oh, now, and now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. After the prayer, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word boldly. After the prayer, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word boldly. So you might say, well, I'm not somebody who is a naturally bold or outgoing person. I'm a little quiet. I'm more timid. I'm reserved. I'm the introverted type. I'm not one to openly share my faith. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, then sharing your faith is not an option. Not if you're going to faithfully follow Jesus anyway. Because regardless of your personality, we have a mandate from King Jesus to tell people about him everywhere we go. It's literally the last words he said to us before he ascended into heaven. Go and tell everyone about me. So thankfully, from a biblical sense, what this passage shows me is that spiritual boldness is not a personality trait. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. You can be a naturally quiet, reserved, timid person, but when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you can be filled with a spiritual courage and boldness that compels you to go out and tell other people about Jesus. Just like any naturally outspoken, confident, bold person can shrink back from spiritual opposition, you can be a naturally timid, introverted person that can be bold once filled with the Holy Spirit. Spiritual boldness is not a personality trait. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. So with the threat of physical harm, Peter and John prayed, God, make us bold. They didn't go out and try to be bold in their own strength. They didn't try to, like, psych themselves up. 
They didn't go home and put in their AirPods and put on their favorite, like, pump me up music to get themselves psyched and, and jacked and ready to go, kind of like I do when I'm at the gym and I'm trying to get ready for a big lift and I want certain songs that kind of get me motivated to, to go. That's not what they did. They went home, they prayed, God, make me bold. The Holy Spirit filled them and then they spoke boldly. It was a work of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit guides us and leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit draws us closer to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere you go. It's a work of the Holy Spirit who empowers us to speak the truth boldly. But listen, just fair warning. If you build up the courage to pray this prayer, God, make me bold, all of a sudden you're going to start to see a whole lot of opportunities to be bold that maybe you hadn't seen before. Just, just a fair warning. You may be in a conversation with somebody who's sharing something with you that they're having a hard time with. And in the moment, you might feel led to just say, hey, would you mind if I actually prayed for you right now? Even though you have never prayed for anybody out loud in public in your life. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're praying with power and you're calling down heaven and you're believing for, for the Holy Spirit to meet that person in their place of need. There's gonna be a lot of opportunities for you to be bold. You may be at school or at work and you'll hear somebody saying something inappropriate and you might lovingly but boldly say, hey, would you mind refraining from talking like that around me? I'm not trying to fill my mind with that kind of imagery or that kind of garbage. I'm trying to think about things that are pure and I would appreciate it if you would respect that about me. We can be better than that. Or maybe, maybe you hear somebody gossiping or talking trash about a coworker or a classmate and you would decide to either walk away from the conversation because you don't want to participate in gossip or better yet, maybe you would be so bold as to say, hey, you know what? Can we not talk bad about people? You know, can we just instead, if we're going to talk about people, can we just say something good about them? Let's build each other up instead of tearing each other around. We can be better people than that. That's bold. Maybe you would be bold in the way that you decide to dress modestly when everyone around us in our culture is doing anything but dressing modestly. Maybe you would be so bold as to take a stand and say, you know what, I'm not going to participate in this hookup culture we live in. I know it's expected in the dating scene, and that's how we sort of get to know each other, but I'm called to be set apart and altogether different, and so I'm going to save myself for marriage, which is a really bold stand to take in this culture that we live in. Maybe you'll be around someone who's really hurting and you would be so bold as to share with them what Jesus did for you when you were hurting and how he turned your life around and gave you joy. And then you invite them to church. There are so many ways that God might present opportunities for you to be bold. If you will just pray the prayer, God, make me bold. And all of a sudden, your eyes will open to all of these opportunities for you to share your faith. What would happen if you decided tomorrow... Before you go to school, before you go to work, before you go anywhere or do anything, to pause for a few minutes and pray this prayer. Say, God, make me bold today. Give me the courage to believe that you will do what only you can do. Give me boldness today. Getting back to Peter and John, 
in the midst of very real possible persecution, they kept boldly preaching Jesus. People continued to get saved and convert to Christianity. God continues to do miracles through them as you read through the rest of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. And the high priest and the religious leaders are furious. After having threatened them, it says they were filled with jealousy. And so in in verse 18 of chapter 5, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail again. So get this, Peter and John are arrested and then released with a threat. They go home and they pray, God, make us bold. They go out and they speak boldly. And for the second time in a week, they are arrested and put in jail again. Which shows me, number two, that spiritual boldness almost always triggers spiritual opposition. When you step out in boldness, you will face opposition. I hear oftentimes from people who will say, you know what, I'm really trying my best to live for Jesus, but things don't really seem to be going very well for me. I'm facing a lot of opposition, and this is not what I signed up for. I'm not really sure how much longer I want to do this. I didn't know this was part of the deal. Can I just be honest with you and set something straight for you today? Serving Jesus was never meant to be a formula for everything in your life to go well. If someone sold you that bag of goods, they lied to you. If we're going to faithfully follow Jesus, you will encounter resistance and spiritual opposition. In fact, I don't worry when I face opposition. I expect it. I worry when I don't face opposition. Because to me, that's a sign that maybe I'm not doing enough to advance the kingdom of God. Spiritual boldness will always trigger spiritual opposition. So listen, I promise you, hear me, if you pray this dangerous prayer, God, make me bold, and then you step out and you begin to share your faith, you will experience some things that will be uncomfortable. People will mock you. They will laugh at you. They will criticize you. They will talk bad about you to your face and behind your back. If you're bold in your faith at school, you're not going to get invited to the parties. You're not going to be included on the in crowd. You'll be seen as a weirdo, as an outcast. If you're bold in your faith at work, you may even get passed over for a promotion. That's why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12 that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, everyone who wants to faithfully follow Jesus and obey what he's told us to do and boldly sharing our faith with others will be persecuted. And so the bottom line is this. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. Many of us pray, God, use me, God, use me, I want to be used by you. And then he sends you out to use you, and you face opposition, and you complain to God about it. He's like, wait a second, I thought that's what you asked for. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you are not ready to be used by God. Because spiritual boldness will almost always trigger spiritual opposition. It's part of it, which is what makes it a dangerous prayer. Make me bold. So Peter and John are in prison for the second time. And Luke is the one who writes the book of Acts. So Luke is the one writing, and this is what he reports. They're in jail, verse 19. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Very matter of fact. Point number three is that spiritual boldness often releases God's miracles. 
In other words, when you live with bold faith, you'll often see the hand of God move miraculously in and around you. It's a little funny to me that Luke, in his description of this, in like one sentence in verse 19, just casually describes how an angel appeared and rescued them from jail. There's no exclamation point at the end. There's not like, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe what happened. Like they were in jail and this angel showed up and rescued them. Just like, eh. You guys, if I see an angel, how many of you know I'm getting fired up? Like, I'm getting excited. I'm going to be like, you guys, you're never going to believe it. I saw this angel, and he was incredible. Like, he was powerful. And Luke is like, an angel showed up and rescued him. Almost like he wasn't surprised. And so that shows me, when you walk in bold obedience to God, we shouldn't be surprised if you see the miracles of God. If you're going to start walking out in obedience to God, don't be surprised if you start seeing the miraculous happen around you. Because he shows up when you... Take a step of bold obedience. He is faithful. When you start praying, God, make me bold, and you step out in bold obedience, suddenly you're going to see the power of God operating in ways that maybe you've never seen before in your life. You may be sharing your faith with someone, and they present a challenging question to you that at first kind of stumps you, and you don't know how to answer it, and all of a sudden you get that panic sets in. Like, this is why I never wanted to share my faith, because what if I get asked questions I don't know the answer to? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just gives you revelation and drops a verse in your spirit that perfectly addresses and answers the question and the objection they had. You're like, where did that come from? That was the Holy Spirit speaking to you and giving you revelation. When you step out in bold obedience to give God the full tithe, even though you may not know how you're going to pay your bills for the month, you'll be amazed at how God comes through and supernaturally and miraculously provides for all of your needs. You may step out in bold obedience for God to physically heal someone who is sick. And then the next day they call you up and say, you're never going to believe what happened. But like an hour or two after I left that time of prayer with you, my whole body began to change. And now I'm completely symptom free. God has healed me. And I'm praying that as a church, we would begin to see more signs and wonders as we as a people press into God with all of our hearts and ask for that anointing oil to flow. God, do signs and wonders among us. We should not be surprised as a people when miracles begin to happen as we start stepping out in bold obedience to what he's asked us to do. There's one person who's excited about that and agrees with me. Thank you, whoever said amen. Make me bold. Let's look at what the angel tells Peter and John after he rescues them from prison. Let's look again at verse 19. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them. So this is what the angel tells Peter and John. Go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. In other words... Go and do the same thing that just got you arrested and put in jail, not once but twice. That thing that may get you beaten and potentially even killed, yeah, go do that again. How many of you know that takes some faith? The last point I want to give you today is that spiritual boldness always requires faith. Always. If you pray, make me bold, I promise you sometime this week, this month, this year, the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to do something that requires faith. It's always going to take faith to boldly obey God. If you pray, make me bold, watch as the Spirit prompts you to do something that requires faith. 
The best example I can give uh, from my own life for this point is about 11 years ago, 12 years ago, many of you who've been a part of our church know the story, but for the benefit of those of you who are newer, uh, in 2012, our kids were like one and two. We had just started our family, and Kelly was leading a very successful, thriving photography business that was growing like crazy, and I had a great job in the marketplace as a technical sales support rep for a local HVAC company, and great benefits, great pay, 401k, you know, room for growth in the company, and things were good. Like, it was awesome. Kelly was on staff part-time here as the worship director at Life Church, even though the church was much, 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 much smaller then than it is now. Um, but in, in the summer of 2012, I got a text from my brother-in-law who was on staff at a growing church in Columbus, Ohio, to say, hey, Pete, would you be interested in interviewing with us to join our staff as a, as a campus pastor? And so Kelly and I set out to pray and seek God's will and to God, like, what do we do here? I've always wanted to be in the ministry, but I'm scared because, you know, we've got this comfortable life here. We've both got jobs, and if we go there, we're going to go from being a two-income family to a one-income family. And God says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And so Kelly and I took a bold step of faith to leave everything that was familiar and comfortable to pursue God's call on my life. And I stepped into vocational ministry. And when we left Buffalo, we thought we were gone for good. There was no part of us that thought we would ever come back to Buffalo. And so for three and a half years, we faithfully served God through the ministry there. And, you know, we got ourselves a beautiful little home. The taxes are much lower there, which afforded us the opportunity to get a really nice home. And we loved it. It was in a beautiful neighborhood, great community. We had a great small group. It was a great school district. I loved my job. I loved the church. I was really hitting my stride in leadership, growing in, in ministry. And the lead pastor was talking to me about things that he had envisioned for my future there. And in October of 2015, the lead pastor of Life Church called me up and said, after some small talk, and said, Hey, Pete, how's life? How's the family? All this stuff. I'm like, Hey, it's great. What's going on, Craig? What, what's the call for? He's like, Pete, I've got a question for you. It's an interesting proposition, but a challenging one. Would you and Kelly prayerfully consider moving back to Buffalo to help lead and eventually take over Life Church? I was just spending some time with the Lord in prayer and he spoke to me that the time has come for me to pass the baton onto a younger leader. And Pete, I believe that man is you. Would you pray about it? And I hung up the phone and I turned to my wife who was on the couch sobbing, crying, because she heard my end of the conversation and could understand the context of what was happening. She's like, I don't wanna go. She's sobbing because we loved our life there. We loved everything about what we were doing there. It was comfortable. We were doing God's work even. But Kelly said, God, I will go anywhere you tell me to go, but I have to know this is from you. You've got to speak clearly. I don't want the comfort of our present circumstances to keep us from pursuing a door that you might be opening. So God, would you speak to us clearly? And so we decided to do a three-day fast and ask God for direction. Just like we're in a season of fasting now, that's one of the purposes for fasting is to get direction from the Lord. And thankfully, the Lord was faithful in answering our request to give us a clear word because on day two of the fast, I was upstairs in our prayer room and Kelly was downstairs. And after she got the kids situated with breakfast, she sat down and opened up the devotional app that she was using on her phone. And the whole devotional that day was built around one obscure verse in Genesis. Genesis chapter 31, verse 13, which is now tattooed on both of our arms because it's a mile marker for us. 
It says, I am the God of Bethel, where you made a vow to me and anointed a pillar. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Talk about a clear word from the Lord. Kelly took a screenshot of it and sent me a text message where I was upstairs praying. She's like, well, I asked God to speak clearly. This is what he just spoke. I think my fast is done. I got the answer I wanted. I'm going to have a sandwich. (laughs) And so I told my boss, and a couple months later, we put our house in the market. It sold within a week. In June of 2016, we moved back to Buffalo. Took a giant step of faith. And since June of 2016... We have seen over 1,100 people make a decision to put their faith in Jesus Christ at this church. All because of one single step of bold obedience. Listen to me, church. You never know what God might set in motion through one single act of bold obedience. You never know. When you say, God, make me bold, and he fills you with his Holy Spirit and then asks you to do something that in the natural makes no sense at all but requires faith and you step out in faith. You never know if you like step in when other people are stepping out. You share your faith when it's uncomfortable. You show somebody an expression of love that feels uncomfortable in the moment. You might not see it in the moment but you never know down the road what God might set into motion in that person's life and in the people that they will touch through one single act of your bold obedience and faith. Make me bold. What he prompts you to do after you pray that prayer may not make any sense. It probably won't. It will feel scary. It will be risky. You may not know how it's going to turn out. That's why it's called faith. Because spiritual boldness always requires faith. And Peter and John were bold. They served Jesus faithfully. And so do you want to know how God rewarded them for their bold obedience? Let me tell you how. They eventually both settled down, married their high school sweethearts. Each had a couple of kids that grew up with, you know, being best friends with one another. Riding the wave and the popularity of the resurrection, they decided to start a consulting business together that was wildly successful. They made boatloads of money that enabled them the opportunity to retire early and buy vacation homes in the mountains where they got to watch their kids and their grandkids grow up. Because everyone who boldly follows and obeys Jesus, life gets better, right? Doesn't it? That's what some preachers will tell you. But that's not what the Bible tells us. Can I tell you what really happened to Peter and John? First century sources tell us that John was arrested. And because he refused to renounce his faith in Jesus... They tried to kill him by dipping him in boiling oil. But somehow, supernaturally, miraculously, God delivered him from that, and he didn't die. And because he wouldn't die, because they couldn't kill him, they decided instead to just exile him to the island of Patmos, where he lived out his days in isolation and alone. Peter, on the other hand, contemporary theologians tell us that he was martyred in Rome. And when they went to crucify him, because that was the preferred method of execution by Romans, as we know, uh, tradition tells us that Peter requested that he be crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord and Savior. And that was the reward 
for his bold obedience. Spiritual boldness will often trigger spiritual opposition, will often bring about the miraculous, but always requires great faith. It's a dangerous prayer. Don't worry when you face opposition. Worry when you don't. But listen, if you know Jesus like I know Jesus, if you've been forgiven like I've been forgiven, this is a prayer you're going to want to pray because you're going to want as many people as possible to experience the same love and joy and peace and mercy and forgiveness and freedom and healing that you have found in Jesus. You're not going to be able, you're not going to want to keep it to yourself. You're going to want to share it with everyone. So you're going to continually pray, God, make me bold. Give me more opportunities to tell other people about your amazing grace and love. What would happen if you and I began each day praying, God, make me bold today? What would God do in you? Better question is, what would he do through you? I'm going to pray that this week. And I'm going to invite you to pray it with me. God, make me bold enough to share you with anyone and everyone that I have the opportunity to this week. Will it be uncomfortable? Yeah, it probably will. But you'll never fulfill your calling in your comfort zone. Make me bold. Yes, it's a dangerous prayer. But again, you have no idea what God might set into motion through one single act of bold obedience. Speaking of acts... I want to turn your attention to the bookmark that was on the seat when you walked in today. If you want to go ahead and pull that out, just wanted to let you know about this little gift that we have for you. Just a little tool resource that we wanted to give you uh, as a way to help you in this season of prayer and fasting. And maybe you're somebody who's not comfortable or familiar with praying and don't know how to pray. On the one side of the bookmark are just the three prayers that we're going to cover in the three weeks of the series. Break my heart, make me bold, which we talked about today, and speak to me. But on the flip side of the bookmark is the acronym ACTS. We just read from the book of Acts, but in this case, it's a template for prayer. Uh, Last year, I gave you guys another template uh, that spells out the word pray. Um, P is pause to be still. R was reflect and rejoice. A was ask God for help. Y was yield to his will. This is just another tool or template to help you kind of mix things up and keep things fresh in in your conversations with God. So A, begin with adoration. Just praise God for who he is and for what he's done. Then move on to confession. Confess your sins to God and ask for forgiveness. And then move on to thanksgiving and thank God for everything that he has done. And then S is supplication, which is just presenting your request to God, asking him for help in the areas that you need help. And so I would encourage you to stick that in your Bible. That comes from the book, Dangerous Prayers, that Craig Rochelle wrote. Keep it in your Bible. Keep it in your journal, wherever you spend time with the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for my church family. I thank you for a group of people who... Lord, I sense and see a genuine hunger and thirst for more of you. Who want more of your presence, more of your spirit, more of your anointing flowing in our lives. 
And so God, I thank you, even though it hurts a little bit for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When you put your finger on an area of our life, I, I, I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for our complacency and for prioritizing comfort over courage. Prioritizing safety over obedience to you. And the first prayer I want to offer on your behalf is to ask that with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're a believer in Jesus in this room and this is your prayer and you're going to commit to moving forward in your relationship with God by asking him to make you more bold, even though you know it might result in some resistance and opposition in your life, would you just boldly shoot your hand up in the air and say, yeah, I'm going to pray, God, make me bold. Hands all across this place. God, I thank you for the courage of sons and daughters, my brothers and sisters in the family of God, who despite knowing that there might be some opposition and some hardship that they have to face, God, want to walk in obedience to you and being bold and sharing their faith with others. God, I pray in the same way that as we set out to pray this prayer this week and in the months to come, that we would experience what those apostles experienced 2,000 years ago, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, and that when we leave this place, God, we would speak your word boldly. We would be unafraid and unashamed to take advantage of every opportunity that presents itself to tell people about who you are and your amazing grace and how much you love them. God, make us bold. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, I pray. Now the next prayer I'm gonna offer is gonna be a little unorthodox and something I've not often done here. I'm gonna ask everyone to lift their heads, open their eyes, and look up here. This message is clearly directed more towards believers than it is non-believers. But as a church full of people who I know are excited about bringing their unsaved friends and family members here, and we have, you know, a dozen first-time guests every single week, I never want to pass up the opportunity for anybody who is in the room and feeling that drawing from the Holy Spirit to make the decision to say, today is the day I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. And the reason I asked you to lift your head and open your eyes when I normally say with all heads bowed and eyes closed, listen, Faith in Jesus was never meant to be a private thing. In the spirit of this message about being bold in your faith for Jesus, Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of them before my Father. But whoever confesses me before men, I will confess them before my Father. And so if you are here in this room and you have never made the decision to surrender the control of your life to Jesus, Ask him to forgive you of your sins and invite his Holy Spirit to come in and live for you, to live for him. I'm gonna ask you right now with everyone looking to make the bold declaration of decision to say, yes, that's me. Go ahead, shoot your hand up right now all across this place. I see those hands over here. I'm so proud of you. That's bold. That's bold. That's awesome. That's awesome. If you're watching online, you click the link in the comment section below to say, yes, I boldly wanna follow Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died for me. And I want to know that my sins are forgiven. So church, will you join those who are making that decision right now and surrendering their life to Jesus? Will you say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Jesus, thank you for loving me that much that you would willingly lay down your life. Thank you for rising from the dead so I can live again. 
Now would you fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can follow you and serve you and boldly obey you for the rest of my life. Jesus, my life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Church, can we put our hands together and welcome those born into God's family today? That's what it's all about, you guys. I love you guys. Steve is coming to close us out. I just want to say in closing, go Bills.